You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. A few moments, we're going to stand together. And I want to share with you this evening from verses 15 and 16 as we think together about three resources to remember. Three resources to remember. I suppose one of the saddest experiences of my life, an experience which uh, occurs, has occurred on more than one occasion, is uh, to be in my car on my way home from having visited with someone about the Lord and to suddenly think of something that I could have said or maybe should have said, something out there that I, in uh, sharing with them, just forgot. And all of a sudden, a verse of Scripture will come to my mind. I say, Lord, uh, why didn't I think about that earlier? And the Lord usually responds by saying, because uh, you're a very forgetful person. Uh, that's not usually what the Lord says. He doesn't speak to me out loud like that. But uh, at any rate, you've had that experience of thinking, I just should have said this, or why didn't I do that while I was there? And uh, so I want you to, sh to uh, share with you this evening and for you to consider with me three resources to remember. Now, let me tell you what the resources are before we read the Scriptures. The resources happen to be the peace of God, the praises of God, and the promises of God. And in a few moments, you're going to see how these resources can come to play in your life. So stand with me, if you will, please, and let's look at verses 15 and 16 of Colossians chapter 3 as we continue our study through the book of Colossians. And Sunday's study will take us down through the first verse of chapter 4, verses 17 of uh, chapter 3 down through verse 1 of chapter 4 are a major section in the book of Colossians. It talks about how husbands and wives are to relate to one another, how children are to relate to their parents, how fathers should relate to their children. Then what about employees and employers? A major section beginning with verse 17. But now let's look, focus our attention on verses 16, uh, 15 and 16 as we think about three resources to remember. Here the Apostle Paul says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That is a phrase with the, which the Apostle Paul repeats on more than one occasion, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace. In Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 19, he says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Here he says, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The peace of God, the praises of God, and the promises of God, three resources which are often forgotten. Now let's bow our hearts before the Lord in prayer. And Father, as we come before you this evening, I pray that you will cause us to realize that you have adequately equipped us for every contingency of life. And Lord, as we come here this evening, each one of us has faced our own specific set of needs this very day. And yet, Lord, you have not uh, sent us into this world ill-prepared or unequipped. And Father, you have given us everything that we need. You have prepared us for every battle of life. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit tonight will remind us 
of these resources which you have given us, which are so often forgotten. And I pray these wonderful things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Keep your Bible open to Colossians chapter 3 as we think about three resources which are often forgotten or three resources that I want to encourage you to remember. My uh, wife and my daughters are preparing to have a garage sale this weekend. I'm not telling you that as an invitation to come over to our house unless you want to come over and buy it out tonight before we have the thing. That's Dad's idea of a good garage sale. Uh, I'm telling you that because in the process of having a garage sale, there is a responsibility which always falls upon the head of the house, at least at our home, and that is that I, first of all, have to clean up the garage. Jean says, we're going to have a sale there. You've got to clean that garage up. And so she's been prodding me for about two years to get the garage clean, and I've been doing a lot of, an awful lot of thinking about this and serious uh, consideration about, you know, just how clean a garage ought to be. After all, it's where you put cars and things of that nature. And over on one side of our garage is my, my tool uh, bench, and on the tool bench, workbench, there are a number of tool chests in which I keep tools, among other things, not necessarily. I mean, if you open my tool chest, you would discover there are a lot of things in there besides tools. The other day, in the process of cleaning up the garage, I don't know how this happened, but one of those tool uh, cases tipped over, and the top tray of that tool case, which is usually I keep in that my surgical instruments, uh, uh, that I have collected over the past uh, 50 years of my life. But anyway, in the top tray of that thing just fell out on the floor, and I mean nuts and bolts and screws. And I, I mean the floor was just covered with things that uh, were in the top tray. As a matter of fact, I'm a little bit embarrassed to tell you that uh, as we were cleaning that up, picking up all those pieces, I found something that I needed about a week ago, and in fact, I bought I went to the store and bought it because I forgot that I had it in my tool case. Now, I'm sure that has never happened to anyone here. Now, I not only have a new one in my house, I've got a new one that's a spare in my tool chest. Now, <clears throat> I wish I had remembered it because when I went up to buy it, I literally, I mean, I got dressed and went down to the store and just a little old thing and, and bought this thing and brought it home and installed it, not knowing, or at least not remembering, that I had one all along. Now, that is a parable to me of a number of events in my life. When I have faced extenuating circumstances, maybe I've been visiting with a friend who's in need. Maybe it's someone who's walking through grief. Maybe it's someone who needs to know about the Lord. Uh, maybe it is a personal need of mine. Maybe I'm just having a tough day, and I and I have forgotten that God has already equipped me. I mean, I already have it in the tool chest of my Christian life, but I have just failed to remember it. Now, I want to share with you this evening what, what to me are three resources that the Lord gives to every believer, but which we often forget that we have. Now, the reason I know that we often forget that we have that is because in talking with people, I so very rarely hear people mention these things, all right? Uh, so with your Bible open, let's look at these forgotten resources there, the peace of God, the praises of God, and the promises of God. Now, let's see what the Apostle Paul says about these three forgotten resources. First of all, he says, you are to let the peace of God 
rule in your heart. That's the first statement that he makes. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Uh, David Brinkley's down here on the front row on this very day. David and I were talking about a decision. And we were talking about how you make a decision. And one of the, the things that was said in the course of that conversation was, well, we need to come down on the side of God's peace. Actually, the conversation was initiated by this statement. I just don't have peace about that. How many times have you said that yourself? I just don't seem to have peace about uh, going in that particular direction or about making that particular purchase or that particular commitment. I just don't seem to have peace about what's happening in my life. And so here he says, don't forget that in every instance of your life, no matter what you face, one resource that you need to take out of the tool chest there and use is the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now, I want to make a couple of observations about the peace of God. The first is this. The peace of God is something you received in abundance at conversion. You receive the peace of God at your conversion. Notice what he says. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body. When you became a part of the body of Christ, you were made right with God. You were reconciled with God. And the peace of the Lord Jesus entered your life. You were at peace with God. That's why the Bible says that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, whether you are at peace or whether you feel peace, whether you are living peaceably, uh, now, that's another thing. But you have the resource of peace. You are at peace with God. You receive that at your conversion. But notice the second thought, and that is it must be the rule in your conflicts. It must be the rule or the ruler in your conflicts. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now, let's just park here for just a moment. The word that is interpreted here as the word rule is a word which you and I today in our language would, would more adequately or appropriately interpret as or translate as umpire. Let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart. Now, let me give you a picture. Here is a, here's a ball game. Man, it's a ball. Man, it's a hot single. Looks like it's going to be a single. The ball is scooped up. The player is running toward first base. The shortstop throws it, and the ball and the player get, that, get there at about the same time. Now, the umpire is going to make a decision, but I can guarantee you someone is going to dispute that decision. Well, is the player safe or is the player out? Well, I will tell you who will determine whether the player is safe or the player is out. The determination will be made by the umpire. Now, here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You face decisions. I face decisions. Maybe you find yourself in a real thorny issue. I mean, it just seems so complicated, you can't figure out how it's going to, going to resolve itself. He says, all right, if you want to know how to make that decision pro appropriately, the peace of God is an indication to you of whether God is judging that this is right or wrong. Let the peace of God be the umpire. Always come down in that decision on the side where the peace of God is resting or blessing. Now, let me give you an illustration. Some time ago, my wife and I 
we're going through a, a, a time of tough, tough decision-making. There was a, a major decision that we had to make. It was a decision that, that, in fact, some of you all were praying with us about the decision. It was a, it was a life-changing decision. There were, there were many uh, um, ramifications of this decision. I mean, it was a, the kind of decision that would not just affect us, it would affect other people. It would not just affect now, it would affect the future. There were so many, many ramifications of this decision. I mean, all kinds of issues that were going to be determined by this decision. And this to us, it was, I suppose, one of the greatest decisions we in our married life, our family life, have ever faced. And we were wrestling with this decision. There came a time when the only way we could make the decision appropriately because there was all kinds of advice, all kinds of counsel, all kinds of thought. Have you ever gotten in one of these kind of deals where you just sort of thought yourself in a circle? I mean, you've thought around this thing and you've come back around and you, you, now you're going back around the other way and you're not sure. You're just not sure. There came a moment when we had to turn to one umpire. What was the umpire? The peace of God. And this statement was made, I just don't have peace in that particular direction. Now, what were we saying? We were letting the peace of God be the umpire. We were letting whether the peace of God rested in this decision be the determining factor. Now, you should not ignore when the Lord is giving you an inner reservation. You should not ignore it when the Lord does not let you have peace with the decision. You may say, well, that just seems so right. That just seems so logical. It just makes so much sense. But if the peace of God is not in it, then you're not coming down on the side where your divine umpire has come, you see? Let the peace of God rule your heart. And I know of many people, I tell you, I talk to so many people who say, I'm just struggling with a decision. I just can't work this thing out. I can't, I can't figure out what to do in this regard. Let the peace of God be the umpire. Let the peace of God be the umpire. Where does the peace of God come down in that particular issue. I'll guarantee it doesn't come down on both sides. Where does the peace of God come down in that issue? All right, the peace of God. That's one of those forgotten resources that we must remember. All right, secondly, not only should, does he say, we are to let God's peace rule in our heart, he says, we are to let God's praise resound in our heart. We are to let God's praise resound in our heart. Notice he says here, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are also called in one body and be ye thankful. Now, the word here that is translated thankful is an interesting word. It is a word that some religious groups use in referring to what we call the Lord's Supper. It is the Eucharist. The word is Eucharisto. You is the word uh, good, our prefix, which means good. Charis, grace, good, grace. Eucharisto is the word that is used here. Now, why am I telling you that, all right? Because there are two things that are necessary if you are to be a person of genuine praise. First of all, praise involves remembrance. When he says here, and be ye thankful, 
since the word that is used here is different than some other words that could be used for thanksgiving, it's the word Eucharist, it means that there is memory involved. There is memory involved. There's the memory of what? There's the memory of the favor of God, that which God has bestowed upon us in the past. When we come to the Lord's Supper, uh, what do we say here? We usually read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where the Apostle Paul says, For it is by eating this bread and drinking this cup that you what? You remember the Lord's death or you show the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus said, as he was giving us the uh, order of the Lord's Supper, he said, This do in remembrance of me. This is my blood which is shed for you. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in what? In remembrance of me. You're remembering a good thing that I have done for you. Now, let me just, just speak to you heart to heart. I don't know whether you keep a journal. There have been times in my life when I have very diligently kept a journal. There have been times when I have not been as diligent as I should to keep a journal. And then sometimes I, I keep it in different places, you know. Some people are very ordered and they have stacks of notebooks that are all the same size. And I don't, okay? But uh, there are times that are more documented in my life than others. The Psalms, now listen carefully, the Psalms are David's journal, David's diary. As a matter of fact, when you read the Psalms, could you, would you let me use this phrase? There are times when David is quietly and privately spilling his guts, right? I mean, he is bearing his soul. He is saying the kind of thing that a person only writes in their diary. I don't think that David was writing some of this thinking to himself, one of these days this is going to be published in every known language of the world and, and uh, uh, people by the millions are going to read this and it's going to be a bestseller. I think David was just pouring out his heart to God, all right? Now, was David a person who always found himself just, you know, right at the top of the heap? No. As a matter of fact, David many times found himself in less than desirable circumstances. There was rebellion against him. There was insubordination. There was family, fractured family relationships. There was confusion about God's plan. There, the, the, David's one sin against Saul was that he, that he respected him and he loved him, and yet Saul went out. David's life was threatened by this. And so David was a man who found himself on more than one occasion in less than favorable circumstances. Now, what is the resource that David would often employ a resource that we often forget. You cannot miss it if you read the Psalms. Here's what would happen. He would get himself, for instance, like in Psalm uh, 142. There he is in the cave of Adullam. He's down there with a bunch of misfits. Saul's out looking for him like a needle in a haystack. David's life is being threatened. He pours out this lament. In fact, in, as part of that Psalm, he says, and nobody cared about my soul. But then what would David would reach down in his toolkit and he would inevitably pull out what for most of us is a forgotten resource, the memory of the good things that God had done for him in the past. And David would just begin to recount. Now, you can read this in Psalm after Psalm. David would just begin to recount the good things 
God had done in the past. And all of a sudden, you would discover that, well, it would begin as a little trickle at first. But then welling up within David would become this stream, this artesian well of praises. And by the end of the psalm, he is literally erupting in praises to God. And you can just see him striding out of that cave or whatever the circumstances was in confidence because of what? He employed what for many of us is a forgotten resource, the forgotten resource of praise. And so he says, not only let the peace of God rule in your heart, let the praises of God resound in your heart. So it involves memory, but notice also it involves a response. Not only remembrance, but there is a response. Now, here again, if you want to read this in the original, it would read, it would read something like this, show yourself thankful. It doesn't say, and just be thankful, because most of us, we, well, you know, we say, well, I feel all right. I feel thankful. But the, the, the literal rendering of this would be, show yourself thankful. In other words, there needs to be a display of gratitude. I remember hearing a little story when I was a little boy about uh, a man who owned a, a, uh, a bakery. And one day he looked out the window of that bakery and um, there was a little boy, just an urchin. I mean, he just, you know, his shoes were all just beaten down. His clothes were in rags and dirt on his face and a gaunt look on his face, obviously hungry. And so the man just motioned to the boy through the window, come on in. That boy timidly came into this store, you know, and he said, uh, what would you like? And he said, well, you know, one of those. And he said, great. What else? What else? He said, yeah. He said, one of those. Great. What else? He said, Some of those. And Man, I mean, he went down the corner, and this guy just kept just, you know, he was just moved with, with generosity. He just kept filling this sack up, and, and then he just reached over the counter, and he said, here. He said, you mean me? He said, yeah, here. It's yours. And then just, you know, not even thinking about it, just as an exercise, I guess, he, he said to the little boy, he said, I tell you what, it's all yours. Could I have that cookie right there on the very top? And with that, this little boy got a look of terror on his face. He grabbed the sack and went running out the door and down the street saying, mine, mine, it's mine. Now, there's a little boy who's going to have a hard time again. Now, you and I, you know, aren't we a little bit like that? I mean, God has done, and we get down, and we hang on to everything God has given to us, and we get down, and the one thing we don't do is the one thing we ought to do, and that is to remember and then respond, say, God, thank you. Did you know that thanksgiving is an expression of faith? And when you show your gratitude to God, God inevitably responds by giving you something else for which to be grateful. And so here's a second forgotten resource. First, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Second, let the praise of God resound in your heart. All right, now, let the promises of God reside in your heart. Look at verse 16. Here he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord. This is uh, one of my favorite verses in the Scripture. As I said a few moments ago, it is very much akin to a, a passage in Ephesians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul is speaking about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And he says the end result of that is that you will speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so here he says, let the promises of God reside in your heart. All right, now, you've got your Bible open. You're looking at verse 16. I want to show you three things about this verse that I believe will be a blessing to you tonight. You're trying to employ this tool, the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ, the promises of God, reside in your heart. First of all, how are they to reside there? This word for reside is actually the word for make their home in your heart and where it says richly, and here's what it means. Give God's word or his promises big space in your life. Make a big home for them in your heart. Give them plenty of room in your heart. Let the word of God dwell in your heart richly. Make, it, make, make your heart, if anything, a place that's filled with God's Word. If anything lives in your life, it ought to be the Word of God, all right? There ought to be more space for that than for anything else. Have you ever been to someone's house who, uh, you know, had a hobby, and you begin to see the hobby sort of encroaching into the rest of the house? Have you ever seen, you know anybody like that? Do you remember macrame? Now, I don't want to get on anybody's toes here because you may be into macrame in a big way. I mean, people, people are into macrame, but I mean, there was a time and a season in the history of our nation when we were macrame nuts. Do you remember that? I've got to be real careful. If you're coming to our garage sale, you'll get some of this stuff. Um, but anyway, you know, some people, they're really gifted at that. They're really gifted at that. And, and, and I knew a lady one time, and I went over to her house, and I, I guarantee you, I... I Everything was macrame. I mean, the lamps were hanging down on these huge macrame cords, and I mean, over here was this macrame thing, and there was this deal. I mean, I, you know, what is it, Ocho, God's Eye thing. I mean, this thing was as big as, I felt sort of self-conscious sitting there, you know. Uh, and all, everything over here was macrame, and you walk, and there was macrame down the hallway and macrame in every bedroom. I mean, I felt I was in, you know, the mecca of macrame. I mean, it was just, the house was just filled with, you know, stuff that had been twisted and knotted and turned around. And, it, and, you know, a little bit of that's pretty, but, I mean, this was, she'd gone berserk over macrame. Now, hobbies have a way of doing that. You know, if you've got a room in your house where all your bowling trophies are, all your softball trophies, you know, you notice how they sort of, you know, I mean, some of us don't ever get enough to have a room for that, but some of you all have got big rooms. Some people are like that about plants. You know, plants, if you're not, if we like plants in our house, but after a while, I, one time I planted a, an amaryllis, you know, a giant amaryllis. Sounds like, you know, a big lady basketball player, giant amaryllis. But anyway, I planted a, I, I planted a giant amaryllis. I didn't know how those things grew. Three times, three times it grew so fast in the night that it fell over in the middle of the floor. I mean, just growing up, just tipped over. And I go and stick a yard stick, you know, and it'd grow up low and fall over. I mean, stuff, your hobbies will consume you, okay? And I, I visited in people's homes, you know, where what they like has become the focus of their home. I mean, it's just, you know, whatever it is, it's the focus of their home. You know, I have been met by ladies at the door, and she'll say, Brother Tom, you know, let's don't go in the living room. I, you know, my husband's got his computer in there, you know, and, and there underneath a real nice couch and everything, you'll, you'll see all this computer stuff, and it's just, you know, that's just interesting to him. Well, that's okay. There's not a thing wrong with that. I mean, 
Come to my house, you'll see, probably, stuff just like that, okay? Now, why am I, why am I telling you all this? Because what the Apostle Paul is saying here about the promises of God, the Word of God is this. If there's anything that ought to be encroaching and occupying more and more space, I mean, if people go into the house of your life and come away impressed with anything, it ought to be what? That the Word of God is dwelling there richly. That it resides in your life. I mean, that just to touch you is to come in contact with the Word of God. Now, Notice here, he says there's three things you got to do to do in order for that to be the case. Number one, you need to make it a specific ministry. He says here, teaching, that means holding discourse with each other, really talking with one another about the Word of God. We get our word didactic teaching from this, instruction, holding discourse. He says teaching, not only that, but admonishing. Here the word means literally to warn other people by appealing to their logic, their sense of logic. In fact, there's a, a whole stream of counseling that's named after the word that's used here, neuthetic counseling. He said to warn other people by appealing to their sense of logic. So he says, what are you, what's the method you're to use, all right? Or the ministry. You're to teach one another, have discourse with each other, and to warn each other by appealing to logic. Now he says there's a method, though, for doing this. The ministry is teaching and admonishing. The method is what? Music. Now, that's not the only method, but in this particular passage of Scripture, he's saying that is a key method in your home, music. He said you can learn the Word by, by using what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Songs, in other words, with spiritual content. Um, I believe that, that the best kind of Christian music is music that is composed by spirit-filled people and sung by spirit-filled people. It's real hard for me, you know, to listen to music if I know that the guy that wrote the song, you know, ran from God and became some kind of jerk or something like that. doesn't mean that at that moment, it couldn't have been, but, but I have a real struggle with that. I know everybody has ups and downs, but I mean, music that blesses me is music that is being sung by people whose lives are a living testimony of the reality of what they're singing, right? And so he said, we're to have psalms and hymns, and there's different words for each of these, spiritual songs, in other words, songs with spiritual content. And uh, I'll tell you this, and I, I don't have time to give you the testimonies of this this evening, but I could, I could go down a list of missionaries who have gone through tough times. For instance, they've been incarcerated in prison camps, things of that nature. The Bibles have been lifted from them. What was the source of their doctrine? It were the, was the Psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs they had learned as children. So it is no silly thing to occupy yourself with learning hymns and choruses and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's not, a, it's not a senseless exercise. In fact, in this passage of Scripture, it is the specific method by which you are to teach and admonish one another. Pretty significant, isn't it? All right, so we have the ministry, teaching and admonishing, the method, music, and then you have the motivation. You have a spiritual motivation. He says, uh, singing with grace in, in your hearts. Now, this, this is going to seem sort of funny to you, 
But did you know that the word that is, in, that, that is translated here as singing is the word from which we get our English word, adieu. Uh, I don't mean adieu like goodbye, but where we say, that person's making much ado about nothing. He's making, sometimes we say in Oklahoma, great to-do about, he's just making a great to-do, or he's making much ado, too much ado over that. All right, it is the same root. And you know what he's saying here? He's saying, this is not to be just a little thing to you. He says the specific method, our ministry is this, teaching and admonishing. The method is by music and the, the spiritual uh, ministry, that you, uh, the spiritual motivation you've got here. He said, you ought to make a big to-do about this. Have you, you know, <clears throat> have you ever, I, I was at a stop sign one time, and I was just ah, singing to the Lord. You know what I mean? I was, I'm big. And... Um, the car was stopped and the air conditioner wasn't working too good and I just rolled down my power window, you know, and turn and, and there was a lady right here and I just turned. Aah! I mean, she looked at me as if I was berserk and I think I felt a little bit berserk. But I was just unashamedly as loud as I could just singing in my car like you do in your shower. Um, you say, well, I feel sort of silly when you talk about that. You know what he's saying here? He's saying here, and I don't know if this makes a lot of sense to you, but that when you make a big to-do about this, even when you're by yourself, you know what you're saying? You're saying, I realize that the real audience for my music is God. And he just wants me to make a lot of ado about this. He wants me to make a big to-do about this. Singing with, with grace in my heart, Okay? And so, what are these forgotten resources? I'll tell you what. You get in a pickle, uh, don't forget. You, you shove everything. You know, you got this course over here and ten ways to do this and nine ways to do this and seven steps to help you out of this. Don't forget that if you'll just brush aside through all those specialized tools in your spiritual toolbox, that there's some resources. If you're not careful, they're going to stand you in good stead, but you're going to overlook them. What are they? Let God's peace rule in your heart. Let God's promises or praise resound in your heart and let God's promises reside in your heart. Forgotten resources you need to remember. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord. Father, I pray, trusting that you will use the, the nuggets or whatever it is in these verses as we've just sort of wrung them out here a little bit, just the drippings from them, trusting that you will use these to remind us that there is not a... Not a any exigency of life. There's not anything any one of us face for which we do not have the equipment. And Lord, it could be that the reason we're in such a dither about what's going on in our lives right now is we've forgotten this, the old standbys, the tried and true things. They've gotten covered up with all the glossy new things. And we've for, forgotten to let your peace rule in our hearts and your praises resound in our hearts and your uh, promises reside in our hearts. Father, I pray right now you'd cause us to realize what a wonderful thing it is to know you and to serve you. And I pray that even at this time of invitation, your Holy Spirit will speak to the hearts of many people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask our praise singers to come. In just a few moments, we're going to stand, and with them, we'll just sing a chorus of praise to the Lord. And this is really an invitation time.
it's a time for you to come and say yes to Christ. In fact, let's sing that little chorus that we sang at, at, when we were welcoming the guest a few moments ago about the Lord Jesus. And this is your invitation time. Now, if you're not a member of this church, the Lord's speaking to your heart about this, what a perfect time to come and make that decision. And by the way, if you joined our church recently and we've not introduced you, I'm going to ask you to come forward and just be seated over here where it says seating for new members, and we'll introduce you at the close of the service. What a great time to join this church. Maybe you just moved here. Maybe you just come home for school, getting ready for the summer. Well, this is a great time to do that. Maybe you're looking for a church. Well, this is perfect, an opportunity for you to join the church. I believe there are people here who want to just come to the altar and say, Lord, I want to reach down the toolkit that you have given me and employ those time-honored principles, those resources. I don't want to forget them tonight in facing my need. And you'll just want to pray here at this altar and allow God to minister to your life. I believe there are people here this evening who, if just nailed to the wall and asked this question, have you really got the assurance if you died, you'd go to heaven? I believe there are people who'd say, I don't really have that certainty. I mean, I'd like to believe that, and I'm religious and everything, but I don't have the certainty. Well, listen, friend, it's one thing uh, to have some kind of religion to live by. It's another thing to have a faith that you can die by. I'm going to ask you a question. Isn't tonight a good time for you to settle that? To open your heart and receive as your Savior, Jesus, who died on the cross, who's risen from the grave, is coming again for people who've trusted him as their Savior. Why not just give him your heart tonight? Find a counselor and say, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior tonight and forever. I want to have that settled. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together in prayer once again. And Father, I pray trusting that your Holy Spirit right now will bring people to this altar to say yes to you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that chorus we were singing earlier.